Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Day one, practice, down. Had a great day, now we must eat. Oh, and get some wine. Cheers, brother. Cheers, bro. Brown and Wade sharing wine for the six. Cabernet. And here comes Gabby tweeting fire for the six. Wife gold. When they vacation, we know they watch the six. Where they go? Do rags cape out playing spades for the six. For the culture. I guess that's why Gabby is in Cleveland for the. Hey. Anyway. Uh, What's good? <laughs> Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day. Coming up, we chop it up with one of the best receivers in the NFL, the league leader in touchdown catches, mind you. And later, we're talking presidents. Cup, that is. And the Twins, Indians, and Astros making MLB history. But right now, look at our top stories, starting with one of Pro Football's top rivalries renewed tonight. Uh, tonight is one of the rare times in this Bears-Packers rivalry that the game itself takes a bit of a backseat to the pregame. Aaron Rodgers said he'd like to see Packers fans join him and his teammates in linking arms during the national anthem, which we'll discuss in just a moment with ESPN's Michelle Steele. Meanwhile, as the president uh, today said, the owners won't stop the demonstrations and protests during the national anthem because they fear their players. The league brass, including Commissioner Roger Goodell, met Tuesday with various players to discuss how to approach the anthem going forward, as well as the substance of the player protests. Now, we welcome in Michelle Steele, who joins us live from Lambeau with more details on what the Packers plan to do tonight during the anthem. Michelle, what's the latest? Yeah, Jamel, the Packers players are asking fans to stand and lock arms with them for equality and justice. But the fans that we talk to are deeply divided over whether to participate in what's intended to be a gesture of unity here. Now, I personally spoke to 51 fans outside Lambeau Field. Of those 51, 17 said yes, they will link arms. 34, however, said no. That is a two-to-one ratio against participating in the linking of arms. Now, the comments were pretty interesting on the yes side. One lady said, uh, you know, people should have the right to peacefully protest whenever they want. Another said, we'll do whatever Aaron Rodgers asks us to do. On the no side, they were very vocal and very convicted as well. One man told me, who is a Packers fan, a lifelong Packers fan, told me, this is the player's issue. I'm not on this team. Now, as far as security tonight, here's what I'm hearing. More security will be deployed to the field. There are a couple of reasons for that. One, they want to maintain order. There is some concern on behalf of the team that there could be disruptive protests during the anthem. And given the amount of vitriol that the players have experienced, including Aaron Rodgers on social media. They want to protect the players on the field during this gesture, guys. All right, Michelle. Thank you, Thank you very much. I weep for humanity. Mm-hmm. Not even a protest. Right. You won't lock arms. Wow. Give me a break. Uh, there's a game after the anthem, of course. Uh, Packers and Bears meeting for the 195th time with the Packers looking to take the series lead for the first time since 1933, believe it or not. We got an unbelievable 41-39 game a week ago. We get as good a game tonight, Jamel. Man, um, this is a better rivalry, obviously. 
rivalry than 40. Well, I, w- I would say this is a better rivalry than 49ers uh, Rams. Definitely a more historic rivalry, but. I think Larry Rodgers is playing. What's the hesitation? But why do I get the feeling? Because the NFL is the NFL. Marcus Cooper may do something like this again tonight. I doubt <laughs> why it. Why do I get the feeling that tonight, in terms of the game itself, it won't live up to what last week was? Even though if it sounds crazy to say. Well, 41 39 is a tough act to follow. That's but okay, hard. you have a magician in Aaron Rodgers working behind a patchwork offensive line. He's always exciting to watch, obviously. Have you watched the Bears running backs? Yeah, they're pretty good. Okay, between Howard and Cohen, I mean, they're, they're fun to watch. And the, the Bears have had two close games with Atlanta and Pittsburgh, two supposed contenders with obviously the blowout against the Bucks sandwiched in between. Get this though, the Bears, 4-15 against Aaron Rodgers, including the playoffs. All four wins have come in prime time. Right, 0-10 I, in the daytime. I don't know what that I means. That. <laughs> but I think it's going to be an interesting game even with Mike Glennon opposing Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, well, but I'm concerned because the Packers were second game in four days. I mean, you know, they beat up. They're, they're a little bit beat up. We know they're thin. We'll talk later about their injury issues. But it just seems kind of like there's some things there for a recipe for something I, I, not to be that good. I think we see a good one. I got the Packers, but I think the, the, the Bears can certainly make them sweat. The Packers have been a second-half team, so it's probably worth tuning in the whole time. Uh, speaking of beat up, Vikings coach Mike Zimmer said today that Sam Bradford will miss Sunday's game against the Lions. Third straight game he's missed, missed with a bothersome left knee. The Vikings offense unbothered in week three behind Case Keenum's 369 and three touchdowns against the Bucks, earning himself a game ball. Got a few good guys around him to whom to get the ball. Yeah, if you take a look at the leading receivers in the NFL, not surprised Antonio Brown is number one, but look at two and three. Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, uh, what a duo they've been this season in the NFL. They have combined for 592 yards this year, most of any wideout duo this season. In fact, it's actually more in the first three games than get this. Randy Moss and Chris Carter ever had as teammates. That wow. is crazy. All right, we and welcome in Vikings wideouts Stephon Diggs right now on the sixth. So eight for one seventy-three and two touchdowns Sunday with Case Keenum playing in place of Sam Bradford. Stephon, how have you and Case developed that kind of chemistry so quickly? Um, I would say just preparation. You know, uh, he spends a lot of time back there spinning, it, and we try to do the best that we can as far as, like, preparing each day, you know, not only in the in the meeting room but on the field trying to put the extra time in just so we can get on the same page. Yeah, along the same lines of chemistry, as I mentioned, the stats between you and Adam Thielen, how do you guys complement each other? <laughs> That's my guy. Uh, we spend a lot of time together when we make a lot of fun of you know, fun around each other. And uh, as far as, like, spending that quality time, you develop a relationship with a guy. You uh, you love him, and that's my brother out there. So I try to do my best to get him open any chance I get. So going back to Keenum, though, for a second, like, a lot of people, let's just say, don't have the highest regard for Case Keenum. But he certainly showed out this past week. What do people, the yeah. casual fans, not know about Case Keenum that you guys know that, that work with him day in and day out? Uh, you need to know he's a fighter. You know, when he goes out there, he's going to give you his best effort. And uh, he's doing everything he can to win. And uh, he brings you a lot of positive energy out there. I don't know if you guys can see it, but we see it day in and day out in the huddle, in the meeting room. And he, um, he has faith in us. Key thing is, you know, having faith and having that positive energy. So it translates. Put it up and let you guys make a play. Now, you are leading the league in touchdown catches yeah. with a mossy in four through three games. You scored three <laughs> all of last season and four as a rookie. What's been the secret to your early season success individually? Um, I would say the guys around me, you know, my O-line's doing a great job. My quarterback's throwing a heck of a ball no matter who's back there. I'm trusting them, and they're trusting me. So I'm just trying to do my job. So get open, try to make some plays. Well, Have you taken your game to a different level this season? Yeah, I would say as far as, like, my preparation. You know, I'm, um, 
it's my third going on my third year. Well, I'm in my third year now, so I'm really just handling things a lot different and how I prepare and how I um, how I motivate how I motivate the guys around me. So I've been taking it pretty serious. I took it serious before, but working smarter. Well, it probably helps that you're you're finally fully healthy, or at least you appear to be. Uh, describe yeah, the difference yeah, between yeah. the way your body feels right now versus how it felt much of last season. Well, last year, you know, I was playing. I was playing hurt a lot, but you know, I'm I'm a big on never making an excuse ever. Just making it work, no matter what the cards I'm dealt with. Um, and as far as like my body, it's my job to take care of my body, and I put that on nobody but me. So, uh, compared to last year, I say I feel a lot. I feel I feel great right now. So, I'm trying to keep it that way. What are you doing differently when it comes to to maintenance throughout the week that you weren't doing before? I was saying I get two massages a week. You know, a lot of cold tub, a lot of hot tub. I didn't really like the cold tub prior. Um, I wasn't a huge fan. It's too cold for me. But now I'm, I'm used to it by now, so mm-hmm. it's cool. Let's start getting old. You need that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, you might know <laughs> I, I, I'm big into footwear. We've, uh, we've seen you have Starbucks, yeah. Wheel of Fortune, Randy Moss cleats <laughs> this season. What other heat can we expect to see on Stefan Diggs' feet this season? I'm going I'm, to I'm be careful, but... Uh, I hear, you know, Jordan's coming to town tonight, so I might surprise you guys, but I got to be real careful with what I wear from now on, man. Why is that? I, I don't want any more fines, and uh, <laughs> I, I like to keep my money in my pocket. <laughs> I heard that. How, how much have you accrued so far in fines for your footwear? Uh, I actually I actually beat, beat some fines, and, you know, uh, I, I took one. I think one was, like, I think 2000 and that's a lot of money, and I don't want to lose it. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, way to safeguard your pockets. Uh, as you know, a pair of your division rivals, the Packers and Bears, they play tonight. Yeah. Uh, what are you yeah. looking for when you watch? What are you hoping to maybe learn uh, seeing this game tonight? Um, I just love watching football, especially when it's in the division. Uh, you know, we, I've played every team. We play every team twice a year. So you want to see how every, how every guy comes out and how, uh, how they start. More so how they started and how they finished. So, uh, so when you play them, you have somewhat of an inclination on how the game is going to go. All right. Well, continue on with this great season. Yeah, Thanks man. a lot for joining us here on the Sixth, uh, Stefan. Yeah. We'll be looking for your footwear to see what you got for us. All right, all right, all right. I'm, I'm going to send you guys some. You guys got to wear some sometime. Oh, definitely. Size hey. 8. What are you, Mike? <laughs> I'm a 13. <laughs> Look here. If, it, if it's free, it's for me, so send three. All right? <laughs> I got you. I got you. All right, man. Keep balling. All right. Thank you. If a student athlete lies to the NCAA, they're finished. So you tell me a 50-year-old man's got more rights than a 18-year-old student athlete. I, where, who comes up with that? You know, if you intentionally lie about committing violations, your career's over. You're finished, and that'll clean up some things. So I'm in favor of uh, regulation. I'm in favor of strong law enforcement and making people obey rules in our profession. Right, a day after Rick Pitino's attorney proclaimed evidence would exonerate his client, a source confirmed to ABC News that Pitino is coach two in the federal complaint, which lays out the FBI's investigation into fraud and corruption in college basketball. According to the complaint, coach two helped funnel $100,000 to the family of recruit Brian Bowen. Now, the FBI's investigation has widened to Nike. Sources tell both ESPN and ABC News that the FBI has served a subpoena to Nike's grassroots basketball division, referred to as the Elite Youth Basketball League. Also, the House Energy and Commerce Committee has requested a briefing from the NCAA and any sports companies involved in this investigation. So clearly, as we knew from the beginning, that this is far from being over. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are looking at this as the thing that changes college basketball, that completely eradicates all of 
uh, all corruption. of the underbelly the, of the cor- corruption and the, the clearly the second market economy that they've built. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see it the same way? Do you think this is a reckoning, a day of reckoning for college basketball? I'm hoping this is a watershed moment. There was nothing sad about the last couple of days. You know, chickens coming home to roost never made me sad. In fact, it only made me glad. <laughs> and I get sick and tired of coaches like Rick Pitino pointing the finger and blaming a few bad apples. It's time for the farmers to get their day of reckoning, and I cannot wait until or wait to see how deep this rabbit hole goes. Let the whole thing come crumbling down because, you know, if you cannot make some omelets, how many food analogies can I squeeze in here? You cannot make some omelets without breaking some eggs. And the whole thing needs to be destroyed. I thought Jay Billis brought the heat on ESPN.com. I'm going to just read you one quote, but he talked about the fact that as long as there's this much money and the players aren't getting their fair share, this is what you get. He says the current NCAA system and rules are largely responsible for creating the underground black market economy for players. There are contradictions everywhere to the point of hypocrisy and business relationships with third parties that strain the imagination. So as long as these players are not getting to eat their fair slice of the pie and sit at the table with the coaches and the agents and the runners and the assistant coach. Matter of fact, Oklahoma State today, they fired associate head coach Lamont Evans. He was the highest paid assistant in the country at 600 grand a year. So as long as these players aren't getting to eat at the table, there's going to be this under the table dealings. So I'm here for it. Let, let it all come down. Uh, college basketball and really uh, big time, big revenue college sports. But college basketball, especially in this case, they deserve as many black eyes as they get. And it's an embarrassment to the sports. But it's, it's one of those things where everybody knew. It was there. Everybody knew about this underground economy Correct. that was taking place. But if it takes this scale of an investigation, if it takes the government being involved to finally correct it, then so be it. I'm hoping that not only is this a day of reckoning for college basketball, but I'm hoping this is the fall of the sham that is amateurism Correct. in sports. It's all been fraudulent. Yeah, it has been. Look, the when when the NCAA or for that matter, when college sports were first created, it wasn't created with the idea that one day it would become a billion-dollar economy. And that's what happened. And once it became a billion-dollar economy, instead of staying greedy, what they should have done, all the great thinkers in the game right. should have gotten together and figured out a way how to cut players in. Why would they do something as magnanimous as that? I know. Why would they ever? Because it, the system was working too <laughs> Why good Why not continue for to exploit? Exactly. I mean, I, look, if I could keep all the money and give right. none to everyone else, yeah, that, that's, that's the ideal business model. That's why I said chicken's coming home to roost. Yep. So... Either this is going to, to keep going on, more people will be exposed, and hopefully the uh, the NBA will finally get rid of this whole one-and-done room. I hope that's also – I know that's something – One of the dominoes. That's one of the dominoes. That's one of the reasons why this system – or it helped – I should say it helped to bloat this system even mm-hmm. bigger than it always already was because that existed long before the one-and-done rule. Yep. But I just hope everything comes crumbling down so we can finally get – to what has been the major problem in college sports, which is not compensating the athletes. Look, we've always known how the sausage is made, so now we got subpoena power behind it, so let's see if the players can get there. You must be hungry. A lot there. of food analogies here. I know, right? <laughs> hey, uh, Carmelo Anthony told Sirius XM NBA Radio that a deal to send him to the Rockets and draft day trades that would have sent him and Paul George to the Cavs both fell through. Was it for the best, though, that Melo ended up in OKC instead of Cleveland or Houston? Well, I, I guess I, I can only speak as a viewer. Um... Because I, I do think there would have been something kind of fun. I think everybody, we've all had this banana boat fantasy. Like as many of, of Mello, D-Way, many of them can get together. Let's try to make it happen. Mm-hmm. But from just a pure basketball standpoint, I think you sort of want to see 
things even out a little Correct. bit. Correct. Right. right. I'm with you. You don't <laughs> okay. want it concentrated just a few teams. You don't want every, everybody on one Absolutely. team. Absolutely. Spread to the wealth a little bit. And, and look, and I'm not one of these people against super teams. Yeah. But it's interesting to see them in different pockets, yeah. if you will. Although, what's the Western Conference going to be like? Well, I think Houston <laughs> is good enough with yeah. that backcourt and a supporting cast that Daryl Moore has put around Paul and Harden. I liked him going to OKC with Paul George because when they got Paul George, it would improve, but not quite on the same level as the rest of the top three. The other top three teams would be San Antonio, Golden State, and Houston. I also wanted to see Russell Westbrook have the best shot at Golden State. That's the storyline I'm still looking at. LeBron, he'll see Golden State in due time. He's got a good enough team to run with them, maybe not knock him off, but run with him. I like Russell getting that much more help to see how he builds on an MVP season with a couple of elite players, wing yeah, guys and, with him. and how he like evolves as a player, too, yeah. because I think a lot of people sometimes, and not a lot, but people almost treated his MVP like, well, of course, he would put up those numbers. Yes. He doesn't have much around him. Well, now that he, he does, I like to see how he evolves as a point guard. crazy to LeBron, Paul, George, Melo, but then Kevin Love will step up. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, LeBron James turned his left ankle yesterday. X-rays negative, day-to-day. Underwent treatment, so he did not practice today. The wine with Wade last night probably helped ease the pain. Now, if you've seen his off-season workouts, it looks like he's ready to bring the pain. Shout out to Method Man. In his 15th season at age 33, Brian Windhorst, Jamel, writes on .com that with Kyrie Irving gone, LeBron is in prime position to recapture regular season MVP for the first time in four years. Which, by the way, it says something. When four years without winning an MVP is a long time. He has the second best odds to win it behind Kawhi. Is Bron your best bet to be MVP this okay, year? Okay, Kawhi being the favorite surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I think um, it depends on the sports books too. Yeah, yeah. that surprised me a little bit, but I, I can certainly see how Brian Windhorst and others have arrived at this con- conclusion. It, it, look, given that his it, his team has changed dramatically mm-hmm. from last season, uh, even though they're deeper, he's it's more conducive. It's, yeah, to him winning it. Yeah. So I, I understand. I still like my pick, which is Kevin Durant, because I think there's a certain Narrative that's building behind KD, which is what real quick. I, I think the name. I think after he won Finals MVP, that people saw that as a coronation. Some even have called him the best player in the world right now. That was one dude. That was, okay, that was Paul Pierce, one but dude. I, I, I saw it start to pick up a little bit, and with that in people's minds as the season starts, and now with the West getting even deeper. Yeah. I just don't know that enough voters like are over the Warriors and, and them being such a stacked team to reward Kevin Durant for his brilliance. But think about LeBron finishing fourth last year. It felt wrong that the best player in the world was fourth. And by, by the time the season goes it's on and it's announced, award, I think people are, well, he's coming <laughs> off season. arguably a career season in many respects statistically. I think he's motivated from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And I love what Wind Horse is putting down when he says, just like Russ had something to prove last year once KD bounced, I think LeBron, he'll never admit to being hurt. But I think he's going to want to show out in the Eastern Conference at, Co- at, at Kyrie, excuse me, his expense. So he's motivated in a way that a guy in his 15th season at 33 typically isn't, but the greats tend to be. So I think voters are going to want to, quote unquote, right the wrong of the best player that we all know by the end of the year is the best player when he's averaging a triple-double in the playoffs or in the finals, excuse me, is not the MVP. I think that's the narrative, the dominant one going into the season. Yeah, he's still bothered by Steph being the unanimous MVP, I There think. you go. We see Mike Glennon arriving for tonight's. Bears-Packers game. Oh, we got to go put up that negative number. <laughs> Look, we try to keep it factual here. All right, <laughs> All right Rob Domofsky joins us now from Lambeau. So, Rob, so both of the Packers starting offensive tackles, David Bakhtiari and Brian Balaga, listed as doubtful for tonight's game. And their top three backup tackles, all on IR. So, how are the Packers planning on dealing with all of these injuries? What's the latest? 
Well, Michael, remember when we talked the other day, it looked like they were in a, a bad situation with those tackles? Well, it's worse now because, like you said, both of those guys, doubtful, aren't expected to play. So the possibility that they're going to have four guards and a center lined up on their offensive line is very real. And Aaron Rodgers is going to have to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Otherwise, he's going to end up down on the ground on this turf behind me a lot. He's already been sacked 13 times this year in three games. That's the most of any quarterback. And now he's going to have to do it probably with Lane Taylor, their left guard, moving the left tackle to protect his blind side. And that means Lucas Patrick, a former undrafted free agent, is probably going to step in and play left guard. Patrick was out here just a few minutes ago, was one of the first guys to come out of the locker room. No doubt he's getting himself ready to help protect Aaron Rodgers' blindside. All right, Rob Domofsky getting us ready for Packers-Bears. We appreciate it. Thanks for the knowledge. All right, now tonight after Texas and Iowa State, don't miss SportsCenter at night. Bucci and John Anderson. They have the complete breakdown of the game as well as everything else in sports. Keys to success is brought to you by those that live like a pro. GMC. All right, as just mentioned a moment ago, the Packers just decimated with injuries at tackle uh, as they enter tonight's matchup with the Bears. Now, Aaron Rodgers, he's been sacked on 8.4% of his dropbacks this season, an increase from 4.7% last season. And Packers are second in the league with sacks allowed already with 13. And joining us now to discuss how the Packers can survive <laughs> tonight, uh, oh, NFL man. analyst Teddy Bruschi joins the show. I so what Rob was saying about yeah. four guards in the yeah. center. And, you know, usually as a defender, you start salivating when you hear that. They're, they don't have any offensive tackles. We're going to get after Aaron Rodgers. But you know that they'll make some off- offensive adjustments in terms of maybe you'll see a lot of empty and the ball's out quickly, mm-hmm. swing passes that are basically running the ball, trying to slow down the rush a little bit. But with Aaron Rodgers, him knowing what that offensive line is in front of him, he just is going to take off. He's going to take off. He won't sit around in the pocket. So if I'm a pass rusher, I know it's going to be this. It's going to be the ball's going to be out in less than one and a half to two seconds or more than five. So you think he'll adjust? Or more than five. Yes, and the adjustment is Mm -hmm. I'm out of here. I'm running out, and I'm going to stay alive, and you guys just stay alive. So pass rushers, I would say for for the Bears, it's going to be a chase chase game in terms of he's not going to sit there and wait for you and let you beat up on these four guards and one offensive center. He's going to be out there. Floyd's going to have to chase. Willie Young's going to have to chase. And they may be gassed by the time the game's ended because you're going to be chasing them all game long. Now, conversely, we're not exactly talking about the 85 Bears. The, the Bears have pressured the quarterback on only 22% of their dropbacks, which is fifth fewest in the league. But again, decimated offensive line. It feels like an opportunity for Aaron Rodgers, really, though, just to put his brilliance on display in front of a national audience because I could see if those guys are, are licking their chops and pinning their ears back, ready to get after him and, and take advantage of these backup offensive linemen, that hard count. And now he's right. getting free plays. Oh, yeah. I can right. see him pulling that off a few times tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And the Bears want to get Leonard Floyd going. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been successful up to this point. And it can get that way. I mean, if, if Chicago isn't able to run the ball, because that's, of course, is what they're going to want to do. They're going to want to protect Glennon. They want to use Howard. They want to God, use Cohen. I love Cohen. those running backs. Yeah, Cohen. yeah. Sort of, like, to see Cohen. sort of like thunder and lightning, that type yeah. of thing. He's about 5'6". He's right. about 180. I mean, he's a small little guy. I don't even know if he's that big, but... 
that's what they got to do. They got to get the running game going because if they don't and they get behind, yep. then all of a sudden they got to play catch up. And then the Packers defense, which has that, they got this nitro package in guys that you have like three, four defensive backs in there. So we'll see if that package can stop the run. You'll hear that, that word a lot tonight, nitro. nitro package, because Dom Capers talked about it all week. All yeah, right. it'd be interesting to see how the Bears play because they play people a little bit closer than I think most Absolutely. people thought this season. Right. All right. Thank right. you, uh, Teddy, for joining sure. us. That was terrible. Um, just kind of capitalizing on the hoopla and the media and all that nonsense. And um, the real people that understand exactly what's been going on and who's really been active and vocal and truly making a difference. Um, if you don't have Kaepernick front and center on that, then something's wrong. Well, my hat goes off to the Colin Kaepernicks of the world who... who you know, he's he's made the ultimate sacrifice, and I respect that wholeheartedly. A person that does have the talent to play, a person that should be in this league, uh, but I feel as if he's he's not getting his just due because of his view. That's a legend right there. For him to think outside of himself, to raise awareness, this is 365 days removed from his first initial uh, uh, stand, and now here we are still doing the same things. He wishes um, that this many people were involved last year. Um, I don't think the narrative would have went as, in as many directions as it went. If we had more solidarity, um, we could have focused in on these issues. But we got to be pragmatic about it. Um, we have this opportunity now, and it's important that we discuss the issues and, and make changes. All right, now last week the Packers locked arms as they joined a massive demonstration by NFL players in response to the president's harsh criticism of NFL players who have kneeled during the anthem. Now tonight against the Bears, the Packers have asked their fans to join them in linking arms in a show of unity. And as Michelle Steele told us earlier, that has drawn extremely mixed reactions from the Packers fans. And so, I don't know why I'm surprised. I'm not surprised either. And um, I think this was on display uh, last week in various forms. It didn't matter if you were kneeling, if you locked arms, if you stayed in the locker room, that this is going to be the line in the sand for a lot of fans who I would love to know or love to ask them, those that are, are standing on this hill and just pounding their fist on the table uh, and, and saying how disrespectful these protests are. I would love to know them, A, do you even know why this protest started? Uh, B. Of course they know. They're aware. They don't care. Okay. Maybe. I think some of them don't even know. They're just mad. The second one, the second question I would love to ask uh, some of these fans and those who have opposed it is what, what is your idea of the right way? Because history has shown us through various protests mm -hmm. and times that were far more volatile than this one, mm -hmm. that even with the most obvious egregiences that people just are against any disruption or change or things that seem like a disruption to what is the way of life. History is the long and tragic story of the fact that privileged groups rarely give up their privileges voluntarily. And that always so, protest and, and progress is met with a swift hand of resistance. Exactly. And so that's why when people say thanks to the Sports Illustrated cover, thanks to these all lives matter demonstrations of unity or all protests matter demonstrations of unity, that the message is getting lost. I'm like, when was it ever found? Because you got 
so many people just unwilling to receive it and find a way to discredit either the message where, give me specifics, what is it you're asking for? What is it you want? Well, show me the evidence. You either got people that's discrediting the message or the messenger. Colin Kaepernick didn't, he's not the first person to bring forth this message of police brutality and criminal justice reform. He's not the first person to sacrifice, uh, you know, his reputation and his career to try to advance the conversation. He's just the latest. And yet this conversation is just a remix of what it was a year ago. We still on the disrespect, quote unquote, or, you know, how inappropriate it is to wage a peaceful protest during the national anthem. So I just say ultimately it comes down to just some people just don't want to hear it, no matter how you try to deliver the message, because they're either going to discredit the message or attack the messenger. Yeah. And the reason why that the, the response is sometimes, well, you know, why why can't they just go to the to the communities and do the outreach there and and focus on that as opposed to doing these demonstrations and these protests during the anthem, not national anthem protests, uh, protests during the anthem that seem to draw so much fire and reaction. The, the whole thing is like the, the protests by nature are not meant to make you comfortable. They're not meant for everybody to agree with. I don't know of one, can't think of one where everybody said, you know what, that person is right. We all ought to join in and, and show unity. And the NFL, and I know they met, I believe it was a, uh, Tuesday night with, with various players. Roger Goodell j- just wanted yeah, to exchange ideas. Yeah. And, and, and as was made clear, uh, I believe by Devin McCourty, that this was not. Wasn't a negotiation. It wasn't a negotiation. It wasn't, mm-hmm. hey, you guys stop this, you know, and, and especially with all that's going on in the White House and pressure coming from that direction. It wasn't, a, it wasn't about that. But people would prefer players to just be involved in their community because it, it's not in their face. Right. All right. Even though. Every single criticism, oh, well, uh, you know, are they donating? Everything that that's on the checklist of reasons why people can't get behind this protest, Colin Kaepernick has done. He met with Nate Boyer. That's why he took a knee in the first place. Right, at first, he was sitting for the anthem, and he met with Nate Boyer, who is a, a former serviceman. And Nate said, hey, Nate Boyer said, this is disrespectful to me. And Colin Kaepernick said, okay, I will, I will this kneel instead. This entire story is full of compromise, Okay. And but I don't know, except for by the people who are constantly against it. Exactly. But I don't think that there necessarily needs to be concession, like the frustration about the message getting lost. And it's a waste of time. I don't I don't know. I don't know, because as often as I feel like a broken record, and I'm sure you do, too. uh, I was encouraged to read, you know, Giants offensive lineman Justin Pugh, who said that he's come around to understanding the purpose of the original protest, whereas initially he was like, I would never do that. I think what you're seeing right now, though, is it's become so uniform, literally and figuratively. Like I said, the Cowboys the other day, in an effort to keep up with the Joneses, called a play. They basically right. called a formation. Most complicated, whatever that which was. Is what you, which is what happens when you involve football people who never want to elevate individuals above the team. They want to do everything in concert. When you have football people doing this, whether it's Mike Tomlin or John Elway or Vance Joseph, whoever, they just want, they, they actually, through this whole week, they really just want to stick to sports. To which I say, fine. I say, there's no judgment if you stand. There's no, why would there be judgment standing for our national anthem? I have no problem with that. Despite the history of it, despite the history of the anthem, despite who wrote it and under what circumstances he wrote it. And the verse that's often not said. Exactly. And despite what it doesn't represent to too many people in this country, I keep saying patriotism and posture are mutually exclusive. And that goes on both sides. Malcolm Jenkins is as out front in this battle as anybody, and he's raised the fist, but standing nonetheless. So do what you see fit in your heart when it comes to this Sunday and moving forward whatever you want to do. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, what we've had happen, even though the conversation feels like it's going in circles, it's a more widespread conversation. And some people 
are listening. I hate to use social media as a gauge as to who's actually trying to understand the issues or what have you. And when it comes down to it, all right, it's, it is uncomfortable. And whether people are tuning out or turning off television shows like ours or turning off NFL games, okay, that's what it's all about. Because you need to be inconvenienced, you need to be uncomfortable, it needs to be disruption, it needs to be agitation. Because if you won't say, hey, all right, you stand up and we'll stand up for you, if that's what you're not going to do, then you're just going to have to have your way of life inconvenienced. Well, I just, I just can't wait till 15, 20 years from now, because much like the previous protests during the civil rights and, again, other volatile times are looked at so much differently now. Like now, if you talk to people, they would swear that everybody agreed that civil rights and, and, and the Voting Rights Act, everybody agreed no on brainer. that. There was a no-brainer, yeah. and that wasn't the case. So I would love to know those that have these harsh criticisms and are using these distraction methods now that you're literally turning off NFL games and and maybe getting your refund from from I think direct that's TV. an overblown story. I do too. Yeah. But it's to feed into a, a according narrative. According to what they're yeah. saying, all right? So you're doing all of this because players are protesting criminal justice reform because they want equality. That's your line in the state. Right. Like as many harsher issues that have yeah. been in the NFL, concussions, domestic violence, sexual assault. That didn't get you to turn off, and lastly, but, but this did. And lastly, on my part, how disrespectful is it that the idea that customers are being turned off by peaceful protest either before, or I say protest now because it's a bunch of locking arms, protesting quotes either before or during the national anthem is met with panic or it's such a huge story but the people who were turned off by Colin Kaepernick's continued unemployment oh, completely was like eh, well, you know well, much, he, he can't play. Much, much like, well, I thought you were Quarter talking about the people who weren't watching because Colin Kaepernick didn't have it. Oh, yeah, okay. because, it continued because it was continued and, unemployment. And the okay. excuse is, well, he just can't play. Okay, and gotcha. to the people saying, hey, if the NFL was really about, you know, equality and unity and making this whole thing right, they give Colin Kaepernick a job. We don't want nobody to give him nothing. Open up the door and he'll do it himself. Right. This isn't about giving him or being shamed into signing him. This is about qualified people being able to play. So at this point, Colin Kaepernick has moved on with his calling. It's not my career, so I hate to say don't work worry about it but a signing at this point would feel a little, a little bit like a PR move which I guess is part for the course so, and nowadays. I know that he has a deep desire to play he's 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 loved football his whole life but he's more powerful not in the game he's in a Smithsonian yeah I'm not worried about Ken all right uh, let's bring some levity to this whole protest situation so last night <laughs> which was Wednesday country music star Charlie Daniels the devil went down to Georgia Charlie Daniels he tweeted I would ordinarily be watching Thursday night football but for some reason I'm not because not on. Stop with your fake outrage. Saved in draft. <laughs> it just kind of worked out this way. There's a bunch of anthem-related DTMs today. Oh, goody. So security has been in place since Sunday at M&T Bank Stadium to protect the statue of Ray Lewis after he knelt on both knees in prayer with the Ravens during the national anthem over in London. I guess this is the evil which we call crime. <laughs> <laughs> They love you until you don't. Yeah, he's been adamant. I mean, how many times has this man said, I love the military. I'm not being disrespectful. I was praying. So much so that his friendship with Shannon Sharp has been on the line. Oh, yeah. I've been throughout all of And yeah, they got to protect this statue. They love you until they don't. Mm. You know? So much. They agree with you here. until you say something that they don't agree with. And, and yeah. anyway. Along those same lines, Lions defensive tackle Akeem Spence said on Twitter his father was denied a contracting job because of Spence's protest during the national anthem. So this is how racism and discrimination survive, Mm -hmm. because there's no way of proving that. Right. Like, whoever it is will say, no, it had nothing to do with it. He wasn't qualified. Right? You know, there's no way of actually... And not only that, the the audacity and just... That's something his son did. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, because even even getting away from the obvious racism, discrimination, all that other stuff. How, why would you penalize somebody for something that they're... And they're the fallout is real. You got guys losing endorsements over this. Oh, yeah. Uh, I you think know. it was Von Miller, yep. um, Brandon Marshall. Both of them lost Sounds endorsements. Right. Yeah. Uh, local endorsements, that is. Not any national endorsements because of what they've done. I mean, that's how deep and divided people this are over this issue. This kind of funny. According to NBC Dallas-Fort Worth, <laughs> the president called Jerry Jones' cell four times throughout the day on Monday regarding anthem protests. The president also says owners are afraid of players. And the NFL says those statements are inaccurate. I just hope it was on First the flip phone. First time an NFL statement was accurate. <laughs> I, I just hope times. it was on the flip phone. You know, I mean, can you imagine? Hold on. Oh. Hold on for a second. It's Donald. Hold on. Uh, yeah, hey, Donald. I'm over here circumcising the mosquito on this thing. I'm, I, I'm, trying to get, I'm trying to get this team in line. You know we ain't need a foot. But like I said the other day, if Jerry Jones and the president thinks it's right, that ought to tell you it's wrong. <laughs> okay, I guess a million dollars didn't allow you uh, to hit decline on somebody, huh? Uh-huh. All right, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, and Barack Obama were on hand to watch the first round of the President's Cup today, and nothing says pressure like three presidents watching you tee off, especially when you're first up like Charles Schwartzel. As if there's not pressure hitting that first tee shot anywhere in the world, no matter the competition, and Charles Schwartzel about to do that, do that with a couple of former leaders of the free world <laughs> watching you. He's hoping for it to come back in. He's over there to the right. Our old buddy Mike Tirico with the perfect call. Yeah, I don't blame him for being... It, it, it probably wasn't due to the presidents, you don't think? Right? The ex-presidents? I don't know. It just kind of happened. I mean, there's galleries, there's studio audiences, and there's, there's this. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. That is a lot. Now, we've extended the invitation, the before, go. invitation before to former President Obama to come and co-host SportsCenter with us. Would you be nervous? No, I mean, we, we boys. We sip Henny in the White House. It's true. I went from sipping Henny in the White House to being the enemy of it. Amazing. <laughs> like I did that? <laughs> All right. Diamondbacks <laughs> third baseman Jake Lamb opens the right. That was like, let's go, move on. Last night, and a slew of fans. They really wanted that they ball. They really wanted that ball. Uh, I mean, Giants, but you know what happens? It just becomes at least a it was thing. A home run. But it becomes a thing. It's like I think at first they're like, okay, you're not going to hustle me for right. this. Then it became a competition. It's just like a kind of like a snowball. It's like, oh, word. It's because oh, of the game. They, they're all being kids. Get this over me. I'm glad nobody was hurt. I don't think. Anyway. I'm just saying. I hope they all shared a Again, beer. Again, at least so. it wasn't a foul ball. NBA season fast approaching. How about the Sox outfield brushing up on their basketball skills after last night's win over the Blue Jays? I love them. I That's love better than what they did at any game on Sunday. The I love celebrations them. there. I love them. If anybody knows how to party, it's the Cubs, especially clinching in St. Louis. He's one of the best teammates and one of the best people I've ever got to play with. Tonight is probably his last regular season start. Here's to one hell of a career. World Series champ to make the playoffs mm-hmm. in St. Louis in 2012. Second time they've made the postseason in three straight seasons, and the first since 1906-08. Would you be surprised if the Cubs went on another run? They've been playing no, great I would not. Them. Another interesting stat for me was that five of the six previous World Series winners uh, that won the division, they all got it. They all got back there. I mean, wow. the Cubs. No reason for them not to get back there, given how strong their team has been all season. I know they got off to a shaky start, but I believe in this team. I want to see them do it again. Okay. Uh, the Windians 
beat the Twins 5-2 today for their 100th win of the season. Carlos Carrasco got his 18th win, striking out 14 against the Twins' hangover lineup. I mean, they threw, out, they threw God knows who out there today because they were celebrating last night mm-hmm. from clinching despite being defeated last night. So another 100-win team. We could have 300-win teams if the Astros went 2-4. Astros went 2-4. And it's just about the Twins. I would say amazing story. I mean, from literally almost worse or among the worst to first. All right. Uh, Real Winners Care is brought to you by Dove Men Care. Shout out to Deshaun Watson who gave his first NFL game check of over $27,000 to three Texas employees who work in the NRG Stadium cafeteria affected by the flooding from Hurricane Harvey. That guy... He's amazing. The whole package. Yeah. Before we call it a day, tell the people we had a good day, Jamal. I'm sticking with this whole baseball thing. The Tigers, my Tigers, they've signed 17-year-old third-base prospect Pedro Martinez Jr. Yeah, you know we get old, uh, Pedro we get Martinez. Old. <laughs> I feel super old for that. Yeah. So dream come true for them, I'm sure. All right. Meanwhile, shout-out to Rob Kelly and Keith Marshall of the Washington Redskins. They were in a GameStop on Tuesday, overheard a young boy saying that his family couldn't afford an Xbox for his birthday. The players tracked down the boy's mom, introduced themselves, and bought the Xbox. That's it for the six. College football countdown is next. Sports Center continues on ESPN News. See you tomorrow.